The Psalm 84 is found in, on page 588 in the Black Bibles from the back there. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my God and my, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good, good, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So Quentin will make his way up. Uh, for those that don't know, Quentin and Ashley and their two children have been back here in Launceston for the last few months and then they're heading back to the Middle East to be serving amongst an unreached people group. So Quentin, I'll just pray for you and then hand over to you. Lord God, we thank you that you are a speaking God and that you love to get our attention uh, in so many different and varied ways. We pray this morning that you would speak through our brother Quentin and speak through this beautiful psalm that you might call us to yourself and that we would experience joy in your presence as a result. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to have this opportunity this morning to preach from God's Word to you. I've chosen to preach on this psalm, Psalm 84, for a couple of reasons. Uh, when Ash and I were engaged, uh, we made the decision to do something in preparation uh, and, I guess, anticipation of our wedding day and our marriage. So we decide, decided um, that 150 days before our wedding, we would read a psalm each day, starting with Psalm 1, and then because there's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms, we'd read read one each day, and, and on our wedding day, we'd reach, read the last psalm in the book. Um, it was a wonderful thing to do together. We didn't read the psalm in the same place together each day, um, but because we lived uh, together or lived on campus at Bible College in the same premises, we saw each other every day and had the opportunity to share something uh, from the psalm. 
with one another. It was a beautiful uh, thing to do. And I think this was the first time in my Christian life that I read through the book of Psalms in a more deliberate and intentional way. Uh, And the thing that struck me most reading through the book of Psalms was the times where the psalmist expresses this great love and desire for God, this great longing for God, this great desire to be be in his presence and to experience the joy that is in God's presence. When I read those words, something in my heart resonated with, those, with that love for God and that longing for God. So listen to a few uh, places in the Psalms where the psalmist speaks like this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Psalm 42. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. Psalm 63. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. Psalm 43. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. (coughs) Reading words like these in the Psalms, I could feel my heart sort of racing or lifting within me and resonating with these words and saying along with the psalmist, yes, Lord, I desire you, I long for you, I want to be in your presence, I want to know you more. I want to love you more. I want to feel more of the joy it is to know you. And Psalm 84 stood out to me, uh, 84 days into that anticipation of our wedding day as a psalm that's full of this kind of language. And it stands out to me today still. It's a a psalm that's very dear to my heart. So that's one reason I'm preaching from this psalm this morning. Another reason is that when I was asked to preach, I prayed for you as the people Uh, of God here at the branch and I prayed about what to preach and I sense that God is calling you into a deeper relationship with himself. So just keep that in mind as as we look at Psalm 84 this morning and, and ask yourself, is God calling you into a deeper relationship with himself this morning? Psalm 84 is a psalm that invites and calls us into a deeper relationship with God. Before we look at the psalm together, I really want you to understand why Psalm 84 is in the Bible and what purpose it has and how it works. This psalm is like a national anthem or like a a football team song or like a a love poem or a love song. When you sing the national anthem, these feelings of love and loyalty and devotion to your country are sort of stirred within you. Not so much maybe for Australians because we're not as patriotic as as some other nations. But if you've ever seen Americans uh, standing and singing uh, the American national anthem with their hand on their heart at some big event, uh, you get the idea of what I'm talking about. It's like a football team song that after your football team wins the match and you you sing that song, these feelings of love and delight in your team are sort of stirred within you. Or like a love poem or a love song. Um, When you read a love poem or sing a love song to the one in your life that you love, those feelings of love 
sort of bubble up. Now, I must say that I'm not speaking from personal experience with this last one. I don't remember ever reading a, a love poem to my wife, although maybe I should. It'd be a lovely thing to do. And I can say with certainty that I have never sung a love song to my wife. Um, but part of the reason for that is knowing my singing voice, I, I'm not sure that would actually be a loving thing to do. Um, but I've seen it in movies and I, I can imagine what it's like. Those, those feelings of love bubble up and thanks, Marty. Um, do you see what I'm trying to say with, with how this psalm works? When we express feelings of love and devotion, those feelings of love are actually strengthened and the, the love itself actually grows and becomes stronger. And something else happens when you express love for something or someone. Your joy in the object of your love actually increases. And something else, too, very important happens. The object of your love is shown to be lovely. It's shown to be worthy. It's shown to be desirable. And in the case of God, it's glorified. When we express our love for God and those feelings of love for him are on display and are strengthened, God is glorified. So this morning, this psalm calls you to express your love for God and your longing for God. If you're not a Christian, please listen along and hear about this God that calls you too into relationship with himself through Jesus Christ. But if you engage with the psalm this morning as a believer in Jesus, if you allow your heart to be moved, if you allow your heart to join with the psalmist and express this love for God, your love for God will be strengthened. Your joy will increase in God and you'll be encouraged to seek God more wholeheartedly. And in all that, God will be glorified. So let's walk through this psalm together. Read with me from verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist is expressing this intense desire to go and be with God. He's talking about being with God in the temple in Jerusalem. That's what he means by the courts of the Lord. So in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, dwelling with them in perfect relationship in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. They were expelled from the presence of God. God did many things to appear to his people, and then he chose to dwell in the temple in the midst of his people. So that's what the psalmist is talking about, this desire to go and to be where God is, to be in the temple in Jerusalem. And he's using very intense language. He's using romantic love kind of language. He says, Lord, I long to be with you. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. It's like he's saying, Lord, I'm giddy. I'm I'm weak at the knees. I so long for you and I so long to be with you. I remember when Ash and I were dating and we were engaged, and when we were married, of, of having these sort of feelings of just a, an intense desire to be in her presence. That's the, the feelings that God, uh, sorry, that's the feelings that the psalmist is talking about this morning. This intense desire to be with God. Let's move to verse 3. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. 
the psalmist paints this beautiful image of these little birds, the sparrows and the swallows, making their home in the temple courts. And it's like the psalmist is saying, I wish I was one of these birds that got to make their home in, in the house of the Lord and never leave. I love you so much, Lord. I wish that I could be like one of those birds. I think it's an image, too, of the safety and the security that is, in, that is found in God's presence. Because the images of these tiny little birds making a home for their tiny, fragile young in the presence of God. These birds have found a place, a safe place to call home and to raise their young in the presence of God. Verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Here the psalmist sums up what he's been talking about so far. Blessed are those that come and be with you, Lord. Blessed are those that dwell in your house. There's no greater joy to be experienced in this life or in the next than the joy it is to be in God's presence. I'll say that again. There's no greater joy in this life or the next to be had than the joy to be found in God's presence. Blessed are those who dwell in God's house. And blessed are those that praise God. Praise is the appointed consummation of our joy and our love for God. That's why the psalmist says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And that's why God commands us to praise him, because our joy is increased as we praise him. Verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Here the psalmist is talking about the pilgrimage that the people of Israel had to make from wherever they lived in the land of Israel to Jerusalem. God dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem, but most of the people of Israel didn't actually live in Jerusalem. That meant wherever they were in the surrounding land, they had to make their way three times a year up to Jerusalem. And this was a journey that was difficult and long and tiring for many of these people. Remember, travel in those days was much, much more difficult than it is today. The people of Israel couldn't just catch a flight or hop in the car and head up to Jerusalem for the weekend. There were no servos on the way, no Woolworths to stop into, no Airbnbs to book a place along the way. It was a journey that involved sacrifice. Just keep that in mind because I'll come back to that in a bit. The journey that the Israelites had to take to be in God's presence, to experience the joy of worshipping him in his presence, involved sacrifice. But here the psalmist says, blessed are those who make that sacrifice. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. So the journey takes strength or those that make the journey need to find their strength in God. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage that don't stay at home, but that step out and take that journey to be with God. Verse six. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now it's not certain what's meant by this valley of Baca. It could have been an actual place that the psalmist is referring to, but the word Baca is very close to the Hebrew word for weeping, which is also close to the Arabic word for weeping, which we learnt while in Jordan. So the psalmist could be communicating this idea that as the pilgrims pass through the valley of weeping or, or saying the journey is going to be really, really difficult at points or it might be difficult, as they pass through that valley, God pours out his blessing. 
Imagine a valley. Imagine, if you can, the land of Israel, which is very arid in many areas, becoming a place of springs. It's a picture of God pouring out his abundance, pouring out his blessing on his people as they make this journey to be with him. And the autumn rain also arrives as they make this journey. Now you might think if you're making a journey to Jerusalem on foot or on a donkey or something, that rain isn't going to be a blessing. It's not going to be a welcome thing. But autumn comes after summer. It's very hot in the Middle East. And rain coming after a hot summer while the weather is still warm, I think on a long journey would be a welcome thing. And don't forget too that these people depended on the autumn rains for their survival. If these rains didn't arrive in time, uh, then they wouldn't have enough food to eat. So think about these pilgrims. They've left behind their homes. They've, they've left behind the opportunity to do the work that they otherwise would have to provide for their family. They've left their property unprotected. They've, made that, they've taken that risk to take a long journey, potentially dangerous journey. And as they go, as they pass through the valley, God brings the autumn rains. And these people would know that God is bringing the rain to shower on their crops back home, that God is providing. But note that the psalmist doesn't say that before they leave, God sends the rains. The picture here is as they pass through the valley, God pours out his blessing. When we make sacrifices to seek God and to find joy in him, God pours out his blessing, God provides. Verse 7. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. This is such a beautiful picture, I think. The psalmist doesn't say that these pilgrims making this long and difficult journey to Jerusalem arrive to Jerusalem, they're absolutely exhausted. They're totally spent and actually, not all of them make it there. He says the opposite. He says they go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. Zion is another word for Jerusalem. He's saying they all get there. They all arrive. It's like the joy of being in God's presence in Jerusalem spurs these people on and sort of overcomes or overrides the physical exhaustion that they're feeling from their journey. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. For all of us here who believe in Jesus, we're on a journey too. We're on a journey to our true home. Not to Jerusalem, to the place where God dwells, but to the new heavens and the new earth. We're on a journey back to our true home to be in God's presence. And the journey is not always easy. In fact, it's often difficult. It's a journey that involves sacrifice. But as we go along the journey, God provides the strength that we need to continue, the strength that we need to not give up, and the strength that we need to finally arrive in, into God's presence in the full and complete sense. And God brings blessing in the midst of the difficulty along the journey. At the end of last year and at the beginning of this year, uh, our family went through some quite difficult things. So we were away in Jordan. Uh, if you don't know us, we're missionaries in the Middle East. So away from family, away from brothers and sisters in Christ, away from the familiarity of Australia. Alana was born December last year. She arrived safely, praise God. 
Uh, but it was still a, uh, somewhat of a big thing for us to give birth, Ash to give birth overseas. And then the day that Alana was born, I got sick, and it was more than just a man cold. I had quite a fever, and I had to stay in bed for three days. So that wasn't ideal. Um, Ash was the one looking after our family. We had other help too, but she was the one caring for our family just after giving birth while I was in bed uh, groaning. Uh, so thanks for that, Ash. Uh, Then a month later, um, I was crossing a busy road, a car reversed in the street and and knocked into me. I was very, very nearly run over, so praise God, thank you Lord for preserving my life and my legs. Uh, But I did fracture my elbow and I fractured my wrists. I was in a cast for almost two months from here, all the way up here with my thumb like that. Um, So with a newborn in the house and with a two-year-old, again, that's not ideal for, for family life. Uh, we had some other sickness in our family at that time, and then Alana got sick with an infection and was in hospital for a week. Um, Ash was, stayed with her in the hospital. I stayed at home and looked after Amari. Uh, I'm sharing this with you because those things were difficult. Um, we wouldn't have chosen those things for ourselves, but I testify that God brought blessing in the midst of that difficulty and gave the strength that we needed to continue on, and also joy joy and peace in God's presence. If we turn to God in the midst of our difficulty along our journey and put our trust and our hope in him and look not to ourselves and to our own circumstances but look to him and look to the destination, God provides joy and peace and strength for the journey. I thought of Hank too as I read these words. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I think uh, Hank is a living example of what it means to go from strength to strength until appearing before God in Zion. It seems he's in his last days that very soon his body will give up, will fade away. But in his spirit, as we've heard testified to many times, including this morning, he's going from strength to strength. Spiritually, he's going from strength to strength. And now in just probably a short time, he will appear before God in Zion. He will will arrive. He will make it. He will enter into the most blessed reality that any of us can imagine, the presence of God. This morning we dedicated Marnie. Marnie's at the other end of that. She's at the very start of what we hope and pray is her pilgrimage to making it home to be with God. We have a role in encouraging her, uh, shepherding her, correcting her, supporting her parents as she makes this journey. She will need strength for the journey. She will need God's graciousness and faithfulness to her to walk a life, however many years God gives her, so that she too can make it into God's presence. In verses 8 and 9, the psalmist appeals to God to hear his prayer, and to bless the king. We're not going to spend any time on on those verses this morning, so um, come with me to verse 10. And just get ready, because these verses are just absolutely amazing. This is what the psalmist declares. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, I love you so much. You are so desirable I am so satisfied in you that just one day in your courts 
is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In the Hebrew, the sense of this, this, these words translated, be a doorkeeper, the sense is of standing on the edge or standing on the threshold. Psalmist is saying, I'd even rather to stand on the edge of your house, God. You are so great and so glorious, and I find so much joy in you. I'd even rather stand on the edge of your house and not even enter in than go in and dwell in the tents or the houses of those that don't love you. What beautiful words these are. There's such joy and blessing to be found in the presence of God. So let me ask you this. Do you believe this? Do you believe that there is no greater joy than the joy to be found in God's presence? And does your life reflect that? Or does your life reflect in some ways that you're trying to find joy in other things? You might be trying to find joy in family or houses or money, or success. Many of these things are, can be good of themselves, but they can never provide the joy that God can. And God's desire for us is that we do not seek our ultimate joy in those things, but rather in, in God himself. That's because he knows what true joy is for us. He's created us to dwell with him. And because he desires us to glorify his name. If you look for joy in other things, your life will say to everybody around and you will say to God with your life, actually, God, I find greater joy in these things than in you. God is glorified when we put all of our joy in him. I recently had the experience of longing intensely for something. As our time in Jordan drew to a close this year, I began to have these feelings of longing to be back in Australia, longing to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, longing to be with my family again, longing to hear Australian accents again, uh, to be back in a familiar culture, longing even for simple or silly things like uh, drinking water from the tap or flushing the toilet paper down the toilet instead of having to put it in a bin. My point is I had these intense longings for something. Now, those longings are not necessarily wrong, but I had to remind myself back then not to put my joy in some experiences that I could have back in Australia. And I've needed to remind myself of that here in Australia now as we face going again to Djibouti, uh, which we expect to be a difficult place. And in Djibouti, I will need to remind myself again to put my joy in God and not in the things of this life. Otherwise, I won't go to Djibouti, even though I believe God is calling our family to be there. And otherwise, in Djibouti, I'll begin putting my hope in other things, because it's possible to do that on the mission field, absolutely, rather than in God. You, you too need to be careful not to put your joy in other things, and not to let your longing for, for things in this life, even good things, to crowd out longing for God and joy in him. Let's move to verse 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The psalm finishes with a beautiful description of, of God and some beautiful promises for us as the people of God. The Lord God is a sun. 
He brings warmth and light and life and hope. The Lord God is a shield. He surrounds us and protects us so that we never, ever have to fear. He bestows favour and honour. God is a generous God. God is a God who loves his people and desires to bestow good things upon his people. If you believe in Jesus, you'll experience some of that in this life, that favour and honour, and you'll experience all of that promise in the life to come. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. That's a beautiful promise to hold on to. I encourage you to memorise that promise and hold on to it and to say it to yourself when you face temptation. If you're desiring things that you do not have, this is a wonderful promise. This promise means that if you walk blamelessly before God, and to be blameless does not mean to be sinless. We all sin. To be blameless for us means to be forgiven by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and it means to live a life of repentance and faith, of turning away from the things that God hates and seeking to live a life pleasing to God. Uh, to walk blamelessly is a, is a pattern of life. Not living in sin, but rather seeking God and seeking to obey him. If you live this way as a believer in Jesus, this promise means that if there's anything in your life now that you wish you had and you don't have, and you think God might be withholding from you, that thing isn't actually good for you or isn't good for you right now. God in his wisdom knows that that thing is not good for you. God is not a God who withholds good from his people. He is a God, a very wise God, who gives good, who abundantly gives good things to his people in his wisdom at the right time. This is a promise that frees us from longing for things that we don't have. It's a beautiful promise of freedom. So we've walked through this psalm together and I hope that you have seen the psalmist longing and felt some of the psalmist longing to be with God. There's one very important difference between the psalmist and between us and that is that God doesn't dwell in the temple anymore in Jerusalem. In fact, that temple is not even there anymore. And praise God for that because greater things are here. Greater things have arrived. So how do we, as believers of Jesus, draw near to God? How do we enter the presence of God? We've talked about entering the presence of God at the end of our lives like Hank is about to do. But how do we enter the presence of God or experience the presence of God in this life? Well, to answer that question, I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles... Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 19. These words are absolutely amazing words. Hebrews 10 verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled 
to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The most holy place was a little room inside the temple. Around it was the temple itself and around it was the temple courts. The psalmist in Psalm 84 is filled with longing to get in to the temple courts. He even sort of says he'd be happy to stand on the edge. That's how much he desires God. The writer to the Hebrews says, we have confidence to enter not just the temple courts and not even the temple itself, as amazing as that would be, only the priests were allowed into the temple. We have confidence to enter the most holy place, this place where God dwells in fullness. The writer of the Hebrews is talking about a relationship with God. He's talking about the fact that by the blood of Jesus, any barrier between us and God has been removed. We have complete and full access into the presence of God. Nothing prevents us from entering his, his presence anymore. And how do we enter? We enter, the writer says, by the blood of Jesus. Jesus shed his blood on the cross that we could be washed clean before we had no right to enter the most holy place. We had no right to be in the presence of God. Only the high priest could enter the most holy place once a year. One man once a year was allowed to enter this place and that only with the blood of animals and with very, very strict regulations of how he could do that. We now, by the blood of Jesus, have the right, all of us, to enter the most holy place. We enter by the body of the Lord Jesus. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that separated this most holy place and the rest of the temple tore in two. Jesus' body was broken so that that barrier between us and God could be taken away. Praise be to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Without our Lord Jesus Christ, without his blood shed for us, without his body broken for us, we would have no right to enter God's presence, no right to dwell with God. Hank would have no right to enter God's presence in probably just a short time. No hope for anything beyond death. Brothers and sisters, this is the whole reason that Christ came. Jesus didn't come just so that we could be forgiven from sins and escape hell. He came so that we could draw near to God, that we could dwell in this beautiful place of intimacy with God, of of deep relationship with God. That's why God made us people in the beginning. That's why God has done all that he has in history, so that we can dwell with him. The The one main thing I want to urge you in this morning is to draw near to God. That's the call of the writer uh, to the Hebrews based on the fact that we now have confidence to enter the most holy place. Let us draw near here, he says. Let us draw near. But again, the question is how? How do we draw near? We have the access. How do we make the most of that access? How do we enjoy God's presence? 
Now, it's true that God is everywhere, and in a sense, we enjoy his presence everywhere as believers in Jesus. But this is talking about experiencing relationship in a particular way with our God. There are things that we need to do to experience the presence of God in this life. It's not an automatic thing. Once you believe in Jesus, you don't automatically, in the experience sense, in the daily living sense, draw near to God. There are things that we actually need to do. There are many things that we need to do, and the Bible tells us those things. Some of those things are meeting together with one another, hearing God's word, meditating on his word, living in obedience to his word, turning away from sin, praying with one another. Lots of things that we need to do to draw near to God. The one thing that I want to emphasize and focus on this morning is private prayer. That is prayer between just you and God. And I want to share a bit of my personal experience in this. When I became a Christian when I was about eight years ago now, I didn't have a regular habit of drawing near to God in private prayer. I knew what God said in the Bible and I did pray at points in in my day-to-day Christian life. I remember praying in the car or as I was doing other things, uh, offering a sentence here or there to God. Those things are good, but I had no pattern in my life of regularly drawing near to God in prayer. I didn't do as, as Jesus said and go into my room and close the door and pray to my Father in heaven. So as the weeks and the months went by, I, I noted that something was lacking in my life. I wanted to know God more. I was reading his word. I was meeting with his people. For most of the first year of my life as a Christian, I was in Europe uh, with other young Christian people reaching out on mission. So I had God's word with me. I was hearing it regularly and I was with, with other believers. But I still didn't have a habit of drawing near to God in prayer. And something was lacking. I began asking God. I began feeling convicted about this. I began trying to draw near to God in prayer. Even into my first semester of Bible college the next year, I still was not regularly praying. You might think someone that goes to Bible college that that is studying God's word full time is probably a person who's praying. For me, it wasn't. I wasn't regularly spending time with God in prayer. And again, I noticed there was something missing. During my mid-semester break, I felt really convicted about this and I began trying to establish a pattern in my life. And by God's grace, I did get into some kind of habit, a habit that has continued to this day, not without struggle, not without me failing and coming back, but by God's grace, I have been able to form a habit of spending significant time in prayer with God each day. I'm sharing this with you not to make myself look good. I'm sharing it with you in hope that it might be an encouragement to you. I've found such joy and such blessing in the presence of God through spending time with him in prayer each day. And I want you to experience that blessing if you're not already. I encourage you to set aside time each day to spend time in prayer with God. And not just that, but also to grow in what you might call a spirit of prayer, that is talking with God throughout the day. Now, both of those things are needed. Just as in a good, healthy marriage, we need a husband and wife need set-aside time to spend with, it, with each other, to enjoy one another, to communicate with one another, and they need to communicate freely with one another throughout the day as they go about their, 
other tasks. Both things are needed, the set-aside time and the regular communing with God. And I encourage you, as you come to God, to delight in him. Come and bring all your requests. Definitely do that. God wants that. God commands that. It's good that we bring our requests to God. But come also to praise and to worship and just to enjoy God and delight in his presence in his presence and express your longing for him and love for him. Now I realise that this is going to look different different for every person. Uh, For a single person this is going to look very different than a mother with three young kids. But I do believe that all of us here this morning can grow in this, this habit, this grace of spending time with God in prayer. And as we do that, our joy will be increased and our delight in God will grow and he will be glorified and we'll go from strength to strength till each of us appears before God in Zion. I do hope your hearts have been encouraged this morning and stirred maybe in a new way or a fresh way to love our God and to seek him. Let me finish with some words from Revelation 21. This is Apostle John writing about what is to come. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and God himself will be with them and be their God. I'll read that again. God's dwelling place is now among the people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Brothers and sisters, this is our glorious reality. This is our future, our certain future. So take encouragement from that this morning. Thank you.